Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our initial podcast lecture series on the laws on national economic governance. I hope you've had an opportunity to study the reading materials I've assigned for today's discussion. Studying these materials in advance will help you to follow the lecture closely with a better understanding of the concepts being discussed. So on that note, let's begin with the three landmark cases that have had an impact on how local nationality requirements are construed and applied by our courts and by necessary implication how businesses in the Philippines are conducted moving forward. When we speak of local nationality requirements, we mean to say the different constitutional and statutory provisions that require minimum Filipino ownership in certain economic industries. That is to say that some some industries are limited to Filipino ownership, meaning full Filipino ownership, or there may be foreign ownership allowed, but only up to a certain extent. The primary law that regulates the entry of foreign enterprises in economic and commercial activities in the Philippines is RA 7042 as amended or the Foreign Investments Act of 1991. As you know, the FIA essentially directs the state policy in attracting and promoting investments from foreign entities, whether natural or juridical persons, including state entities and their political subdivisions. So you will ask, what is a foreign investment? The FIA defines the term invests foreign investment as an equity investment made by a non-Philippine national in the form of foreign exchange and or other assets actually transferred to the Philippines and duly registered with the central bank, which assesses and appraises the value and appraises the value of such assets other than foreign exchange. Section 3 of the FIA defines the term Philippine national as a citizen of the Philippines or a domestic partnership or association wholly owned by citizens of the Philippines or a corporation organized under the laws of the Philippines of which at least 60% of the capital stock outstanding and entitled to vote is owned and held by citizens of the Philippines or a corporation organized abroad and registered as doing business in the Philippines under the Corporation Code, of which 100% of the capital stock outstanding and entitled to vote is wholly owned by Filipinos, or a trustee of funds for pension or other employee retirement, 
or separation benefits where the trustee is a Philippine national and at least 60% of the fund will accrue to the benefit of Philippine nationals. Provided that where a corporation and its non-Filipino stockholders own stocks in a Securities and Exchange Commission registered enterprise, at least 60% of the capital stock outstanding and entitled to vote of each of both corporations must be owned and held by citizens of the Philippines and at least 60% of the members of the board of directors of each of both corporations must be citizens of the Philippines for that corporation to be considered as a Philippine national. This is as amended by RA 8179. So what is the significance of this definition um, of what is a Philippine national? Well, for one thing, this definition goes into the very essence of the three landmark cases we will be discussing shortly. But also, it lays down the parameters of the extent of foreign ownership in certain economic enterprises in the Philippines. Before I go any further, I'd just like to give you a short note on certain um, terminologies that are essentially found in your corporation code. So you, we, have the, we need to know what is an authorized capital stock. So essentially, an authorized um, capital stock is a number of stocks or shares that a company can issue as indicated in its Articles of Incorporation. So I refer you to Section 3 of your um, revised corporation code as well as your definition of an outstanding capital stock under section 173 of your corporation code. And just to um, also give you a better understanding of uh, the concepts of an authorized capital stock, you can refer to the case of MS, MSCI NACOSIP Local Chapter versus National Wages and Productivity Commission and Monomer Sugar, in, Sugar Central Inc. GR number 125198, March 3, 1997. Although this was decided prior to the amendment of your corporation code, your, uh, the enactment of the revised corporation code. The discussion here on how to on how to understand um, what is authorized capital stock, what is included in paid up capital or paid in capital, um, is very illuminating. The MSCI Nakusip case, the concept of paid-up capital under the old um, Section 13 of the Corporation Code 
has in fact a settled technical meaning. So there in that case, the Supreme Court said that by express provision of Section 13, paid-up capital is that portion of the authorized capital stock which has been both subscribed and paid. To illustrate where the authorized capital stock of a corporation is worth 1 million pesos and the total subscription amounts to 250,000 pesos, at least 25% of this amount, namely 62,500, must be paid up per Section 13. The latter, the 62,500, is a paid-up capital or what should more accurately be termed as paid-up capital stock. To reiterate, Section 13 of your old Corporation Code has been repealed under the revised Corporation Code. That is, a corporation intending to register with the SEC is no longer required to have its stockholders subscribe to at least 25% of its authorized capital stock, as well as no longer required to pay at least 25% of the total subscription upon the said subscription. Nonetheless, the concept of paid-up capital survives and is still applicable under the fourth paragraph of Section 37 of the Revised Corporation Code, where the corporation um, intends to increase its authorized capital stock. It is required to comply with the double 25% requirement for purposes of um, amending to increase its authorized capital stock. Additionally, the term paid-up capital is also used in other laws and rules or rules. That's why it is still um, significant. Uh, for example, in Section 2 of your SEZ Memorandum Circular Number 11, um, paid-in capital uh, is defined as the amount of outstanding capital stock and additional paid-in capital or premium over the value of shares. So why is that um, important? Because um, you need to differentiate between paid-up capital and paid-in capital. Uh, whereas paid-up capital refers to the shares actually subscribed and paid. Paid-in capital refers to the sum of the amount paid for shares of stocks issued plus additional paid in capital or the excess or premium paid over the par value of such shares. So moving forward and going back to our discussion on um, local nationality requirements for foreign entities, the FIA introduced the principle of a foreign investment negative list or um, called negative list for short. This is defined under the FIA as the list of areas of economic activity whose foreign ownership is limited to a maximum of 40% of the equity capital 
of the enterprise engaged therein. As you know by now, the negative list is an executive order regulating entry of foreign investments in the Philippines. And just to round up our discussion on the FINL, as you know, the FINL can be updated or may be updated um, by the sitting president. And so the current 11th negative list is the most recent version signed in October 2018. This essentially updates the previous one that was signed by the then president, the sitting president in 2015. So what are the developments in foreign ownership restrictions as mandated by case law? Uh, as I've said earlier, we have three landmark cases. We have uh, the Gamboa versus Davis case promulgated in 2011. And we have the two cases of Roy versus Herbosa promulgated in 2016 and 2017, respectively. So, as we know, under the FIA and, of course, under our Constitution um, and other um, statutes, there are enterprises that um, are subject to nationality requirements so when you speak of nationality requirements they can either be um, fully nationalized meaning 100% Filipino ownership and 0% um, foreign ownership or foreign equity and we can have partially national nationalized enterprises allowing for um, 40% equity or such other percentages that is allowed under um, or that are allowed under your negative list. So for example, the telecommunications, media, advertising, and land ownership are usually the industries or the areas that limit foreign equity or foreign ownership. Specifically, where you have a public utility under your um, under our constitution that imposes uh, a forty percent equity cap equity cap on foreign ownership um, in the capital of public utilities. So that is precisely the case of um, Gamboa versus Tevez, uh, GR number one seven six six five seven nine dated June 28, 2011. This involves a petition that questioned foreign ownership levels in the common shares of the Philippine Long Distance Telephone Company. So the corporation, of course, is engaged in telecommunication, a public utility, and is therefore covered by the limitations um, under, the, under Article 12, Section 11 of the Constitution. So in that case, PLVT um, argues that the term capital refers to the outstanding capital stock, such that foreigners can own more than 40% of the corporation's voting shares for as long as 
the foreign the foreign ownership of total outstanding shares meaning voting and non-voting shares do not exceed 40% and so prior to the promulgation of the Gamboa decision the capital structure of PLVT reflects this um, position The Gamboa case is an original petition for prohibition, injunction, declaratory relief, and declaration of nullity. The sale of shares of stocks of Philippine Telecommunications Investment Corporation, or PTIC, by the Philippine government to Metro Pacific Assets Holdings, Inc., an affiliate of First Pacific Company Limited, or First Pacific. First Pacific, a Bermuda-registered Hong Kong-based investment firm, eventually acquired the remaining 54% of the outstanding capital stock of PTIC. As a backgrounder, the 111,415,000 PTIC shares, which represent about 46.125% of the outstanding capital stock of PTIC, were sequestered by the PCGG in 1986 and later declared by the Supreme Court to be owned by the Republic of the Philippines. Petitioner claims that since PTIC is a stockholder of PLDT, the sale by the Philippine government of 46.125% of PTIC shares is actually an indirect sale of 12 million shares or about 6.3% of the outstanding common shares of PLDT. With this sale, First Pacific's common shareholdings in PLDT increased from 30.7% to 37%, and this, combined with Japanese NTT Docomo's common shareholdings in PLDT, would result to a total foreign common shareholdings in the company of 51.56%, which is over the 40% constitutional limit for public utilities. The court confined its resolution in Gamboa on the controversy solely on the threshold and purely legal issue of the definition of the term capital in Section 11, Article 12 of the Constitution. That is, whether capital refers to the total common shares only or to the total outstanding capital stock, that is, the combined total of common and non-voting preferred shares of PLDT, a public utility. So let's get some preliminary points out of the way before we go into the substantive aspect of the discussion um, of the Supreme Court in the Gumbo case. The Supreme Court declined to rule on the factual issues raised by petitioners, which is to determine the percentages of shareholdings of the stockholders 
of any of the classification of shares in PLDT, opining that such a termination would require a thorough examination of evidence, and since the Supreme Court is not a trier of facts, it will not rule on that matter. Thus, just to address that point, the Supreme Court ruled that a respondent chairperson of the SEC is directed to apply the definition of the term capital in determining the extent of allowable foreign ownership in respondent PLDT. And if there is a violation of Section 11, Article 12 of the Constitution, to impose appropriate sanctions under the law. The Supreme Court also noted that there was a procedural barrier to the petition. Among the remedies petitioners sought, the Supreme Court held that only the petition for prohibition is within its original jurisdiction, which however is not exclusive but is concurrent with the Regional Trial Court and the Court of Appeals. The actions for declaratory relief, injunction, and annulment of sale are not embraced within the original jurisdiction of the Supreme Court. And on that ground alone, the Supreme Court said that the petition could have been dismissed outright. However, exceptions to this rule have been recognized by the Supreme Court Thus, where the petition has far-reaching implications and raises questions that should be resolved, it may be treated as one for mandamus. Here, the Supreme Court determined that the purely legal issue has far-reaching implications to the national economy and therefore admitted the exemption. The crux of the controversy is the definition of the term capital. The term capital in Section 11, Article 12 of the Constitution refer to common shares only or to the total outstanding capital stock, combined total of common and non-voting preferred shares. The Supreme Court pointed out that the term capital appears not only in Section 11, Article 12 of the Constitution, but also in Section 2, Article 12 on co-production and joint venture agreements for the development of our natural resources. In Section 7, Article 12 on ownership of private lands. In Section 10, Article 12 on the reservation of certain investments to Filipino citizens. In Section 4, Paragraph 2, Article 14 on the ownership of educational institutions. And in Section 11, Paragraph 2, Article 16, on the ownership of advertising companies. The Supreme Court also determined that it is undisputed that PLDT's non-voting preferred shares are held mostly by Filipino citizens. This arose from Presidential Decree No. 217, issued on June 16, 1973 by then-President Ferdinand Marcos, requiring every applicant of a PLDT telephone line to subscribe to non-voting preferred shares to pay for the investment cost of installing the telephone line. 
So the court construed or interpreted the term capital as used in Article 12, Section 11 of the 1987 Philippine Constitution, which provides that no franchise for the operation of a public utility may be granted except to Philippine citizens or to corporations whose capital is at least 60% owned by Philippine citizens. Supreme Court determined that the term capital as used in the Constitution refers only to shares of stock entitled to vote in the election of directors and that capital refers to the voting stock or controlling interest of a corporation. To quote the Supreme Court, the term capital in Section 11, Article 12 of the Constitution refers only to shares of stock entitled to vote in the election of directors and thus in the present case only to common shares and not to the total outstanding capital stock comprising both common and non-voting preferred shares. Considering that common shares have voting rights which translate to control as opposed to preferred shares which usually have no voting rights, the term capital in Section 11, Article 12 of the Constitution refers only to common shares. The Supreme Court, however, clarified, and I quote, If the preferred shares also have the right to vote in the election of directors, then the term capital shall include such preferred shares because the right to participate in the control or management of the corporation is exercised through the right to vote in the election of directors. In short, the term capital in Section 11, Article 12 of the Constitution refers only to shares of stock that can vote in the election of directors. In addition, the Supreme Court ruled that mere legal title is insufficient to meet the 60% Filipino-owned capital requirement in any partially nationalized corporation. Filipinos must have full beneficial ownership and not mere legal ownership or title, and voting rights in at least 60% of the outstanding capital stock of the partially nationalized corporation. Thus, 60% of the capital assumes or should result in controlling interest in the corporation. Reinforcing this interpretation of the term capital as referring to controlling interest or shares entitled to vote is the definition of a Philippine national in the Foreign Investments Act of 1991, which provides in part that the term Philippine national refers to a natural Filipino citizen or if a juridical entity must either be wholly owned by citizens of the Philippines or a corporation at least 60% of the outstanding capital stock and entitled to vote is owned by and held by citizens of the Philippines. The Implementing Rules and Regulations of the Foreign Investments Act of 1991 also provides that 
Compliance with the required Filipino ownership of a corporation shall be determined on the basis of outstanding capital stock, whether fully paid or not. But only such stocks which are generally entitled to vote are considered. For stocks to be deemed owned and held by Philippine citizens or Philippine nationals, mere legal title is not enough to meet the required Filipino equity. Full beneficial ownership of the stocks, coupled with appropriate voting rights, is essential. Thus, stocks, the voting rights of which have been assigned or transferred to aliens, cannot be considered held by Philippine citizens or Philippine nationals. Individuals or juridical entities not meeting the aforementioned qualifications are considered as non-Philippine nationals. This ruling in Gamboa became the precursor to the Securities and Exchange Commission drafting a circular outlining foreign investment guidelines that in effect implement the ruling and principles set forth in the said ruling. Thus, the SEC issued Memorandum Circular No. 8, which essentially establishes the guidelines for compliance with the Filipino foreign ownership requirements by corporations engaged in fully nationalized and party nationalized activities. On May 2013, the SEC, through Chairperson Erbosa, issued SEC MC No. 8 entitled Guidelines on Compliance with the Filipino Foreign Ownership Requirements Prescribed in the Constitution and or Existing Laws by Corporations Engaged in Nationalized and Party Nationalized Activities. Section 2 thereof provides that all covered corporations shall at all times observe the constitutional or statutory ownership requirement. For purposes of determining compliance therewith, the required percentage of Filipino ownership shall be applied to both a. the total number of outstanding shares of stock entitled to vote in the election of directors and b. the total number of outstanding shares of stock whether or not entitled to vote in the election. Eventually, you might say that the SEC guidelines led to the Roy cases. On June 10, 2013, Roy, a lawyer and taxpayer, led the petition assailing the validity of SEC MC No. 8 for not conforming to the letter and spirit of the Gamboa Decision Resolution and for having been issued by the SEC with grave abuse of discretion. The Supreme Court, in confirming the rulings in the Gamboa case and the validity of the SEC guidelines, clarified that there is no requirement to apply the prescribed minimum percentage of Filipino equity on each class of shares, meaning voting and non-voting, of a corporation engaged in a nationalized industry. Nonetheless, in the same case, the Supreme Court considered that such classification of shares should not be a means to give control to foreign nationals of the Philippine portion of the capital of the corporation.
In the 2017 motion for reconsideration, the Supreme Court, voting 8-5, denied Roy's MR of the court's November 22, 2016 decision, which denied the petition and the petition and intervention for not having raised any substantially new grounds to warrant a reconsideration. The court found that the SEC did not gravely abuse its discretion as it was simply implementing the Gamboa decision and the Gamboa resolution, the 2011 and the 2012 ruling. The court reviewed the Gamboa decision and resolution and reiterated that both defined capital broadly, but only to apply to shares of stock that can vote in the election of directors, and that MC number 8 simply implemented and is thus fully in accordance with Gamboa. Likewise, the Supreme Court dismissed the second issue in Roy's petition on whether the SEC gravely abused its discretion in ruling that PLDT is compliant with the constitutional cap on foreign ownership. The Supreme Court found that the SEC had yet to make a definitive ruling on PLDT's compliance with the capital requirement pursuant to the Gamboa decision and the Gamboa resolution. Thus, any ruling would be premature. The court additionally pointed out that the Supreme Court is not a trier of facts, and the determination of PLDT's compliance with the capital requirement is a question of fact best left to the SEC.